All right, as you're making your way in, I just want to make uh, one, uh, one or two little uh, kind of reminder announcements things for you. Uh, don't forget, and I think uh, Nathan will come at the end and just remind you of some things about signing in, registering, all those kind of good things. There were 20, I counted 27 new people. You weren't at the first session, you're here at this one. So that makes our enrollment somewhere around 135 people are in school of ministry now. Um, I was, uh, we, uh, we're going to rename this room. We found that we can actually put more people in a room than the city says we can. So yeah, a room that's designed for 60, we, we can cram in here. So, uh, our goal is to try to see if we can get 200 people in this room. I know it, it gets, it goes, the temperature kind of gets, if you notice, kind of gets a little cold and then it gets warm, gets stuffy and then it gets a little cold and so so that's your fault because all of you are generating about 1,600 BTUs per person. But um, anyway, I do want to say this. We are going to go to South Africa um, in the month of February, the end of February. Um, we're going to go. Uh, Jared will be leaving to go back to South Africa for four months, three months, three months. Well, he has a ministry there. He has a school of ministry there. So he has teams of people that are doing evangelism and doing the work. So we're going to go over there and join him in their group uh, in February. And uh, he's going to be our fearless leader. Um, he's, we're going to actually try to teach him English while we're over there. <laughs> Some of the words, we're not sure what they are. Like, how do you say pizza? Huh? It's like, yeah, that's a city in Italy. Um, but uh, we're gonna. But he's gonna lead us. It's gonna be fantastic. We're gonna go. Uh, we would. Uh, we can take as many as we want, or no, as many as we want. So if everybody wants to go, you can go. We're gonna have some. We're gonna have information coming out, um, probably in the next several days. We're gonna give you the dates. We're gonna give you the roughly the cost. I just went online. This is really interesting. Just went online. Virgin Air. You can fly to Johannesburg. It's L.A. to London. London Johannesburg. And it's um, just under $1,100 round trip on Virgin Air. Okay? That is amazing, right? So, um, and then once you get over there, we're going to put you in tents. So that's cheap. <laughs> and we're going to fast. It's a fasting evangelism thing. So, honestly, it's 1000 bucks. I mean, it's the greatest trip you've ever heard, you know? People say, where are you going? South Africa. Yeah, I got this amazing deal. God bless. 1000 bucks. We're in and out. It's great. But actually, uh, we're going to keep the cost really, really uh, tight and because uh, we, we want you to go. I believe um, that these kind of trips are some of the, are the quickest way to, to um, catapult you in terms of your passion for Jesus, um, your, your love for the Word of God, and your, your desire to minister and your capacity to do that for people. I really, really do. I don't know how in the world you can get a faster track than that. So I want to encourage you to go. Try to find a way to make that happen if you possibly can. Details will be forthcoming on that. Um, you know, uh, I mean, you know, Crystal, if, if your mom doesn't want you to go, just, I mean, can't, says you can't afford it, just she'll pay for it. Right? Right, Chris? Yeah, we'll talk. We'll pray about it. Dear Lord, we just want to pray for Chris right now that, God, you're going to move her heart. So her daughter, who wants to tell people about Jesus, gets to go. How's that? Does that help? That help a lot? Rich says he'll pay. Oh, Rich is raising his hand. He's got some money. 
Yeah, what were you say, Rich? Uh, well, what we're thinking on the trip, because a lot of you work and school is in session, so we're trying to kind of keep that at a minimum. What we're going to try to do is leave on a Friday, like an evening, and come back on a Sunday night. So you've got, you've got two weekends. If you want to, if you want to, if, that, if, if your schedule demands that, if you want to stay four more days or a week or whatever, tack on a safari on the end, um, we can do that. Okay, so we're not saying that you, it's only a week, because it's a long trip, all right? We don't know. We'll, we'll tell you, we'll be able to tell you, um, I think it'll be well under a million dollars. Does that help, Leslie? Huh? You think 2,000, Jared? We don't want to commit. Let's just say that we'll tell you it, 1,800 maybe? If we can get the tickets for 1,100? Okay. Yeah, I mean that's just that's just gas to LA. Right? In a traffic jam. That's all that is. Don't worry about it. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We are going to I'm going to uh teach a little bit on some of the principles from the book. I'm not going to read the book to you, but I'm going to take the book um and um and basically just kind of work in chapter 4, chapter 5, talk about some things that really hit me. I do want to uh I do want you to really just do this. I want you to do this in your own heart. I want you to say something like this in your own heart. God, I am going to be passionate for Jesus. I'm going to be passionate for Jesus. I want to be excited about Jesus. If you just start saying that over and over again, don't start saying what you can't do, what you can't be, or what you're not. Just start saying what you need to be. You know, there's something about a vision of God that transforms people from, let's say, kind of average commitment to sold-out, passionate for Jesus. There was this guy by the name of Isaiah, and Isaiah the prophet said he was led to the temple. King Uzziah had died. He was going there to really mourn and to worship. And when he went there, he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train of his robe was filling the temple. When I saw that, he said, I said, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. In other words, for a prophet to have unclean lips meant that he was a false prophet. That the penalty for that was stoning. And then he said, when I said that, seraphim, these heavenly creatures that had six wings, they flew to me. With two of the wings, they were covering their eyes. With two, they were covering their feet. They could not look on the holiness of God. The feet were, were a mark of humility, and, and he didn't want to bring those before God. And with two, he flew. He took burning coals from the fire, and he touched them to my lips. And God said, you know, God cleansed him. God sent him. And all of a sudden, he's like a third grader in the front room of a, of a school that the teacher loves, and he loves the teacher. And God says, who shall I send and who will go for me? Isaiah, like the third graders, raising his hand, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, God, send me. God, I can go now. I don't have dirty lips anymore. Because of the blood of Jesus, you don't have dirty lips anymore. Because of the blood of Jesus, you don't have sin anymore. You've been transformed. You've been taken from darkness into light, from death into life. 
You have been commissioned by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You can go. And then Isaiah asks this question, God, how long shall I go? And the answer is amazing. He said, until cities lie uninhabited. In other words, keep preaching until there's nobody else to preach to. Your commission is for life. You see, when you signed up for Jesus, when you signed up, you, there was no retirement package. It was a lifetime commitment. You never get to go, well, I did that, now I'm done. Now I can just sit back and let people go to hell. Right? I mean, let's just be honest. Isn't that true? It was a lifetime commitment. And you see, and when you signed up for Jesus, whether you knew it or not, whether somebody did a good job or not, it's, here's what it says. And you are not your own. Oh, you mean I gave up me? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. You're the temple of the living God. Isaiah was led to the temple, and you are the temple. Think about that. You're the temple of the living God. Divine pressure always, divine pressure always brings about a vision. God, what do you want me to do? When you say something like that, divine pressure begins. We only have one generation to save a generation. We only have one generation to save a generation. Everyone here needs to get a vision of the lost. Let's turn in our Bibles, Matthew chapter uh, 9 and verse 35. I love this passage. Uh, Take notes, jot some things down. I can't begin to tell you how powerful it is when you take notes in your Bible. It's nice to take notes on a piece of paper if you can get them back in your Bible because chances are you're going to hold on to your Bible longer than you're going to hold on to your notes, right? You know, and Bible's kind of, you know, I mean, my poor Bible, look at it. It's just, you know, falling apart and all of that. And uh, I'm not telling you that because I read it a lot. I'm just telling you that because it, it does that. It just falls apart because you, you turn in it and you find it and you, you, look, you weep over it. And it's always sad. Tammy got a new Bible. She said, it's so sad when I get a new Bible, you know, because I got to try to transfer notes or I got stuff in here. Okay, so let's look at it. Got it? Everybody got it? Say, I got it. Okay, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went about the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, notice what he did. He did three things. He was teaching, he was preaching, and he was healing. You see that? He was teaching... That's different than preaching. He was preaching. He was healing. In other words, I'm going to get you one way or another. Right? Let me teach you. Let me walk you through that. Let me proclaim. Let me preach to you. Okay? But guess what? He was healing. How many people did did Jesus heal in the church or in the synagogue? Trick question, right? None. None. He did it all out in the cities and the byways and the villages. You know why? Because when they saw the power of God, you didn't have to convince anybody to go to church. Right? Whoa, this is happening? You mean God has power? You mean there's more than me just going and sitting and listening to another sermon? You mean there's you mean God can show up? Lady walked in today 
And, you know, people get trapped in here because they think it's the post office. It's great. You know, it's just obvious. I mean, and, and you want a great thing to do? You know, you want to sign up and help us be a volunteer receptionist and work one day a week for four hours? You're going to have opportunity. You can't even imagine to talk about Jesus. And so, you know, lady walks in and she's talking and, and, and she's saying, well, yeah, I was thinking about church coming over here and visiting you and all this kind of stuff. And I said, and, and I said, you know what? I've been doing church a long time, but we just seen all kinds of miracles. And let me just tell you what God is doing. And I just started saying about talking about different people who've been healed and, and things that were going on and all this kind of stuff. And I didn't even have to say, why don't you come? You know, what she said, my husband and I are coming Sunday. Why? Church, there's 100,000 churches in America. But they want to be a part of something where the power of God is coming. You know? And that's what we want to do. We want to give them that. So he says here in verse 36, but when he saw, okay, now here's what I want you to write down. I want you to see what Jesus sees. See what Jesus sees. When he saw the multitudes. Have you seen the multitudes lately? You know, I didn't know really how many people, how many houses there were in Anaheim Hills until we started doing door hangers, right? So, you know, we hired some guys to go out, and, and it's great because the guy that comes and does the door hangers has a church in, in L.A., and, and it's the pastor, and he comes out here, and he brings a bunch of guys from his congregation who need some work, and they hang the door hangers. So we've got Christian evangelists hanging door. I mean, think about it. This is awesome. All right, we come up, we have prayer with them before they go out and hang the door hangers. All right? So I said, okay, well, I started with like, we're going to do 10,000. And then he shows me a little map of how many, how many homes there are 10,000 homes. I go, well, I thought I would get all of 92808 with 10,000 homes. Not a chance. A little bitty sliver. Little sliver. And then, have you seen the multitudes? Think about it. Think about it. Think how many don't know the Lord. So you've got to see what Jesus sees. And then it says he was moved with compassion. You've got to feel what Jesus feels. I can't just see him. I've got to see them. I've got to feel what Jesus felt. It says he was moved with compassion. Why? Because they were weary. They were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So he looked out, he saw this multitude, he was having compassion, he said, you know what, they're like sheep and they don't have any direction. They're scattered, they're hurting, they're bleeding, they're crying, they're doing whatever else they're doing. They may act like all's cool. They may act like all's well. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. In other words, there's plenty of people who are ready to be saved, but there's few people that are harvesting the crop. We need harvesters, don't we? What would happen if everybody in here, just think about it. Let's just do this math for a minute, okay? Let's just, to make it easy math, let's just say there's 100 people in here, okay? 100 people and every one of you in one year lead one person to Christ, and you 
teach them what, how to do that and you train them up. And then the next year, 200 people go out and they lead 200 people to Christ. And the next year, what happens? 400 people, 800 people, 1,600 people, 3,200 people, 6,400 people, 12,800 people, on and on. That's as far as my math goes. Okay, you see what's happening here? That's one year. You have 12 months. What if we did it in six months? Well, I think it would be about twice as fast. What do you think? Right? And, and all I'm trying to do is to say it's not, you know, you got a year. What if you did that your whole lifetime? Now, we know that when one person gets saved, it affects a lot of people, right? Because they're going to tell maybe their son, their daughter, their husband, their wife, their grandma, their uncle, their friends, somebody else. Somebody else will get saved. But you know what the real power of the gospel is? It doesn't just get them to heaven. It changes generations. It changes them. A lot of people who get saved are no longer drug addicts. Longer people who get saved no longer cheat on their spouse. A lot of people who get saved, you see, they change. uh, They're no longer abusive to their children. It's It's transformational. It changes the whole family structure. Changes society. You know what we really are? We're cultural architects. We're trying to change culture. We don't want to be little isolated, holy huddle people. The Christians are over there. They're all scared. What if they find out we love Jesus? Lock the doors. No, we got to go out. Jesus loves you. We got to tell them about God. You see? And it says the harvest is truly plentiful. In other words, what Tammy said is so true that there are people who just want to hear. You think they don't want to hear? They want to hear. They just are ready for an authentic, credible word from somebody. They just want to hear from you. I was uh, in high school. I was walking out of the high school cafeteria, and there was a girl who was in those days called a Jesus freak. And she was handing out little cards that said, Smile, God loves you. That's all she was doing. She handed me a card. There was a lot of them on the floor. People dropped them. I took it and put it in my pocket. Smile, God loves you. Put it in my pocket. I think this is kind of amazing, you know. Um, I wonder if he really does love me. That's all I thought. She didn't tell me about Jesus. She didn't witness to me. She didn't give me a gospel track or a New Testament. She just gave me a little card. Smile, God loves you. Carried that card for two years in my wallet. Okay? That was one little example. Sitting behind a girl named Lori in my high school class who I thought was cute at the time. Okay? And I wanted to ask her out, but I did, it was kind of chicken. You know, guys are like that, girls, in case you don't know this. They're kind of chicken. And so I look under her desk, and there's a book, and I said, hey, I think I'll ask her about the book, build up my confidence, ask her out on a date. I go, Lori, uh, hey, what's that book about? Oh, it's about the second coming of Jesus Christ. I go, whoa, I ain't asking this girl out. This would be like the worst date in America, right? I graduate, go through my first year of college, go to my second year of college. I'm walking through a bookstore. I see the title of the book, such an unusual title. I pick it up. I say, I can get this book. Nobody will know I'm going to be a Jesus freak. Read the book. Scared the crap out of me. Gave it to my buddy who was over at CSU. I said, read this. Scared the crap out of him. I said, what are we going to do? He said, I don't know. We better get a Bible. <laughs> That's really the reaction. This is how this all happened. Now, nobody's ever sat down and tried to witness to me. Nobody ever led me to Christ. 
Nobody, do you hear that? Nobody since the time I was born till today has ever walked up to me and asked me about the plan of salvation. It has tried to witness to me. Nobody has ever done that. That's a sad commentary on us, on, on, on this tribe. Okay? So anyway, so I, I get the book. I read it. I'm scared. I go out and I buy a New Testament. I start reading the New Testament. I read the New Testament through four times in the first month. I got down. I didn't know how to pray. The only prayer I knew was that one, now lay me down to sleep and stick a needle in your eye or whatever that one. You remember that one? I always mess that one up, right? Because I, it, and it's even the other one. If you get the first one right, it doesn't sound good. If I don't wake, you know, whoa, who teaches your kid to sleep, sing that prayer? You know, this guy's laying there. No wonder he's scared. Don't be scared. You just told me to pray. I'm not going to wake up. <laughs> right? Okay, so, so I get down. I said, God, I don't even know if you can hear me. And I prayed this prayer, this prayer of salvation. I believe what I've been reading, all this kind of stuff, right? I was saved that night, saved by the power of God. Fast forward, three years later, I'm in a McDonald's, fine dining. I look over, and I see the girl that was handing out the Smile God Loves You cards. I recognized her. I didn't know her name. I don't know her name today. I can't remember. You know, she told me that night. I walked over to her and said, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but you were, when we went to high school together, you were handing out these little cars, smile, God loves me. I reached in my pocket. I had still had it. I don't, I don't know what's happened to it. I mean, you know, when you move a lot, things disappear, and when you wash your wallet, it, things disappear. <laughs> and so I said, I pulled the card out. I said, you gave me this card, and, and I want you to know this is what's happened and led me to f- faith in Christ and all that kind of stuff. She starts crying. And I'm thinking, well, she's just like moved because she was like, she said, I've gotten away from God, and this tonight is bringing me back. I go to my high school reunion. My wife couldn't wait, couldn't want to see the old girlfriend. It wasn't Lori. It was another girl. Couldn't wait. She was so happy that she wasn't beautiful. And, <laughs> and so anyway, I go there, and, uh, and I see Lori. I'm going to go up and talk to Lori, right? So I go up to Lori and I say, hey, Lori, I just got to tell you, because she doesn't know anything about the story, about me wanting to ask her out and never doing that, right? She doesn't know anything about the book, doesn't know anything about me being saved, doesn't know any of this story at all. I tell her the whole story. And I said, so you were instrumental. You know, uh, you, were, you were sold out to Jesus and I wasn't, but you, just through that book, led me, you know, got me on the path to Jesus Christ. She starts crying. I'm thinking, I have an effect on women. she starts crying and she goes I've never been saved I said what she said my father died my senior year of high school and on his deathbed he was he told me he said I don't want you to ever become a born-again Christian and she made me promise on my on his deathbed never to become a born-again Christian I mean, talk about something that will break your heart. And I said, you know, if your dad was here today and he could speak to you, um, I think he would tell you that that's not true now. And I think that your dad was unfair to you in trying to make a deathbed vow. And I don't know what happened from that point on. But I said, you know, I gave her the gospel, gave her the story, gave her the speech. And um, I think what we have to remember is people are really lost. 
And they're lost for a lot of reasons. Some of them because they've never heard. Some of them because they've got crazy guilt. Some people just don't understand and they've tied into religion. But look what Jesus says over here in, in this last verse, verse 38. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. You know what I think is so interesting about that verse? He doesn't tell us to go out and harvest. Because he knows how we react to being told what to do. Whenever somebody tells you what to do, what do you do? Well, we'll see about that. So here's what he says. Would you just start praying this? Dear Lord, there's a lot of lost people out there. I just pray you're going to send somebody. Would you just send somebody to go talk to them about Jesus? What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, what about you? What about you? You can't pray that prayer and get off the hook. You see what I'm saying? God, I just want to, now I think it's legitimate. You pray that prayer. God, I'm just going to pray the Lord of the harvest. We need more labors. God, send more labors. But I can't pray it if I'm not harvesting, if I'm not out there doing it. Okay. I've got to finish here really quick. Go to Matthew 28, and then Jared's going to come up and give us a little strategy pep talk here. I want to try to get all the good out of Jared I can before he goes back to Africa. You know? I love this brother. Um, makes me want to be a Jewish evangelist <laughs> from South Africa. Matthew 28, verses um, 18 through 20. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted, verse 17. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much authority is that? Oh, don't you love how the Bible just kind of answers its own questions? All authority in where? Heaven and where else? On earth. Okay, that's good news. We're glad you've got all that authority and all that power going on here. He says, verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a commission of the king. Who's he, who's he speaking to? Me? How about you? You? Everyone? He says, and guess what? You don't have to worry. All power and all authority is given unto me. So when I tell you, you can do this, you can do this. God just gave you permission to make disciples of all nations. He just gave it to you. If the king, you know, if, if it was a literal king sitting here and the king said, hey, you know, I am king over all this, my, the, all these territories. This is my domain. Now I want you to go do that. What would you do? Well, gee, I'm going to go do it. The king just told me to go do it. Somebody says, well, you can't do that. No, no, the king told me. King told me it's okay. You have witnessing somebody. Hey, hey, Jeremy, what's going on? Um, I want to tell you about Jesus. Hey, you can't do that. Oh, yeah, I can. The king told me to. What king? King Jesus. Do you know him? You don't? Let me tell you about him. I'm glad you asked. Two questions. Two, you got two questions for you right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, there's more to be said, but we're going to we're going to try to finish on time, and I want to give a little strategy time here. So I'm going to ask uh, uh, Jared. Give him a round of hand. Uh, put your hands together for Jared. 
Amen. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And the Bible also says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So for every single Christian, we have that responsibility to reach out and preach the gospel as a lifestyle. That's what this course is really all about. Because at the end of it all, if you don't know how to share the gospel at the end of the course, then we failed you. Okay, But I don't believe we're going to fail you. Because you guys are going to be practicing every week. And our goal at the end of this course is that you can share the gospel with anyone. But there is an onus on you, a responsibility on you to practice. Practice makes perfect. Okay? So the more you practice, the better you're going to get sharing the gospel as a lifestyle. But there's also something called strategic evangelism. So strategic evangelism is when you target a certain group of people with the focus of reaching them with the gospel so when jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel like i, I preached when i preached here that that a few months ago what is your world so if your world is politics the lord wants to use in the political arena to share the gospel with other politicians if you're a businessman or woman the lord wants to use you in in business meetings or when you go out for business lunches he wants to use you among those groupings of people to share the gospel so wherever you spend most of your time that's most likely where the lord is going to use you to share the gospel but what is important i believe in what the lord wants to do in this church we are going to be setting up an evangelism initiative in the church and every single person that influenced church is going to be a part of that initiative so we're looking at about 24 different outreach groups that are going to be established and i believe that every single one of you is called to one or maybe two but definitely one of those different arch group initiatives so the only way you're going to know which one the lord has called you to be involved in it's for you to ask the Lord. But I like what Reinhardt says, you only need to pray when you're uncertain of the will of God. But when you know the will of God, you don't really need to pray. You just do it. But if you're really not sure, spend time with the Lord and ask Him, which of these 24 outreach groups do you feel called to be involved in? And Pastor Phil and Tammy and the leaders, we'd like to know which of those groups you feel or you believe that the Lord is calling you to be involved in. And then what we want to do with these outreach groups, we want to establish leadership in each outreach group. And then we want people in the church who feel called to these different outreaches to join those different outreaches. So I don't know if you guys have got your divine strategy notes. Have you got them? Carol's done an amazing job doing all the printing and packaging let's clap for carol she's such a blessing one of the best administrators i've ever met in my life i'm going to run through all 24 of them very quickly uh number one elementary schools number two junior high and high schools number three colleges and universities number four hospitals number five orphanages and children's homes number six convalescent homes number seven prisons number eight houses flats apartments townhouses literally street by street like the the door hanger guys do we want a team that's going to go door to door to every house in anaheim hills and then 
in a greater geographical area, uh, sharing the gospel, shopping centers and malls. Uh, number 10, public parks. That's where I cut my teeth in evangelism. Number 11, sex trade workers. Number 12, homeless people and street children. Number 13, the business community. 14, politics. 15, sports. 16, the entertainment community. 17, gangs or abusive environments and relationships. Uh, 18, drugs, alcoholic or other addictive groups or disorders. Number 19, media, which is radio, TV, magazines and newspapers. Number 20 is theme events where we can do evangelistic campaigns on things like Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, national public holiday events. Number 21, this is all of us, so don't include this only as your outreach group, but uh, my family. Number 22, my workplace. Number 23, religious outreach groups. So you may have come from a Jewish family and you've got a, a real heart to see Jewish people or you come from a Muslim uh, upbringing and you really know how to share the gospel to Muslims or you're from a Mormon or Jehovah Witness background and you really believe that's your calling in life to lead hundreds and thousands of Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Muslims, whatever, to the Lord. We want to use you in that. So, so get excited. It's, it's, it's going to be happening soon. And then 24 is missions trips. Those are more uh, well-organized events. So we want you to be involved in one of these. And if the Lord has called you to be a leader of one of those, Pastor Phil and Tammy and the leaders of the church will, will, will see which outreach group you filled in so that we can meet you know, in, in a few months' time or whatever and, and start to get these groups together. So... What it really is, is, is a strategic, organized initiative. Now, there's something called revival. Have you guys ever heard of that word revival? True revival is actually for the church. Because to revive something means it's dead. So dead churches need revival. But the, the true word is awakening. Awakening is for the lost. Now, if you wait for the Lord... You can be waiting a long time because the last, the second great awakening in America was a long time ago. So it could come and we trust in it's going to come and I believe it's going to come, especially to Orange County. Because when we went to South Africa and I said, Lord, send us anywhere in America, but I want to go where you're going to move. And he put LA Orange County on our hearts. So I really believe the Lord loves me and he wouldn't just send me anywhere. So I believe awakening, revival is coming to Orange County. But it could be in a year's time, two years' time, three years' time. We don't want to sit idly by doing nothing. We want to be proactive. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And it's, it's the great commission. Rana calls it the supreme commission, the supreme commandment. So Jesus is commanding us. If you're in the army, I served in the military in South Africa. When, when your corporal said jump, you jumped. When your lieutenant said do this, when the colonel said do things, you, you shook in your boots and you did it. You didn't even argue. You just did what they told you to do. So Jesus said to us, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So in obedience, you are all here getting equipped. But in obedience, we are going to go. So you're going to go about in your, your everyday life and trust the Lord for divine appointments and He's going to give them to you. 
people you work with, your next door neighbor, people, you know, you're shopping at a mall and the Lord shows you someone or someone drops their bag, you pick it up, you start a conversation, you end up witnessing to them and maybe leading them to the Lord. And all that's great. That's the ministry of reconciliation. But what we want to do as a church, we want to have a strategy. How are we going to win Anaheim Hills, Anaheim, Orange County for Jesus? Amen. So just know that there's so much opportunity for you in the next few months to get involved and to exercise the gift on your life. Now, I go to the schools. We go to the schools in South Africa. We got four outreach teams. Some of my best friends in the world, they're not in ministry, the businessmen and, and other people, they, they love me. We've been friends for 15, 20 years. We, we're such good friends, but they've never been to a school outreach. They said, Jared, I love you. We'll support you, but we're not going with you, okay? That's not our calling in life. We businessmen, we this, we do that. And you know what I've learned? That's not their specific calling. It's my specific calling. But their specific calling is maybe business or politics or media or entertainment. Then I encourage them to be used by the Lord in their field. Now, this ministry... Praise the Lord, we've established the leaders, uh, the most incredible school outreach ministry in, in Influence Church. Can, can all the, can Drew and Whitney and all of you guys just stand up? Everyone involved in the school outreach, stand up, stand up. Now, now how many of you know, you, you know Jonathan and his armor bearer? Jonathan Saul's son? That dude, not even, I don't even think Hollywood would think of making a movie about him because he was the most courageous man arguably in the Bible because he went up against the Philistine army, 6,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, 35,000 chariots and my Bible college lecturer who's like a, a professor said that historians estimate it was a million man army. A million man army. And Jonathan and his armor bearer went up. And Jonathan said, let's see if the Lord is for us. If they wave, we'll go. If they say nothing, we won't. So he kind of shows himself and they start mocking. Oh, they're the, the Jewish guys coming out of the, their caves and whatever. And they said, come. So Jonathan attacked. But Jonathan said, nothing stops the Lord from saving by many or by few. And just with the few of us he had influenced church, We've started three Bible clubs. We start in our fourth next Monday at El Rancho. And we've got two young girls from the church at your Belinda Middle. Uh, um, and in about two or three weeks time, we, we're going to be starting the fifth Bible club. So, so outreach number one to the schools. These guys are cracking it. Okay. The young people need to show the way. Amen. And they're showing the way. But my challenge is now going out to you guys, and I'm not saying it's going to start next week. We're talking about over the next six or seven months. We want to start outreach groups to all these other people groups. But we're going to need you guys to rise up. And some of you maybe are, are previous, uh, previously incarcerated, okay? The Lord can use you to go back to the prisons and reach the prisoners. Or maybe you're a warden, or maybe you... You, you run a prison, okay? The Lord can use you to raise up an outreach group 
to go there and to reach them. So whatever passion you have, the Lord is going to use you in this church to be involved in an outreach group or to be the leader of the group. And we're going to rally around you and support you. But at least once a month, that outreach group will go out and about to that different target group and reach out and preach the gospel. Maybe some of you have a heart for, for, for kids that are, I know you guys, Ted, and you guys have a heart for, for like kids that have been given up for adoption. Well, maybe there, there's some um, children's homes in the area. In South Africa, during school vacation, because uh, the kids aren't to school, we can't preach the gospel. We go to convalescent homes and, and children's homes. And there's such a great need. So, so we want you guys to, to start to rise up and, and ask the Lord which outreach group you want to be involved in. I just want to give you an example of, of, of being faithful with the little and how the Lord can use you. I've got 10 more minutes. I've got two people telling me 10 minutes. I know I've got 10 minutes. And I appreciate that. Um, I, I just finished Bible college in South Africa. I, I went to Rama Bible College in South Africa. And, and I was in a great church, a 20, 25,000 member church. And I did Bible college and everything was great. And I, I was studying business at the time. Like every good Jewish boy who, who wants to be a billionaire, you got to study business. So I went to college. I, I was studying business. And then... I went forward to church one night and I saw a vision of myself preaching to tens and thousands of people. And I thought, well, I thought I'm going to be a businessman. Now the Lord showed me I'm going to be an evangelist. Then the Lord spoke to me so clearly and said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. I want you to take your life savings, buy a sound system, probably about the same size as these speakers, and go to Jabir Park, the inner city of Johannesburg, and start reaching out. So I took my life savings, but the sound system was like a top, top-notch sound system, and I couldn't afford retail. So like every Jewish guy, I mean, if you're a Jewish guy and you pay retail, you're not really Jewish. <laughs> and, and if you pay wholesale, I'd even doubt, like, oh, are you sure you're Jewish? So I went directly to the importers, okay, of JBL. You've heard of JBL, the sound system? So I went to the importers that was run by a Jewish company, and they had the most magnificent showroom. And I managed to get into the showroom because my friend was a buyer for an, another business. So I was only like 20 years old at the time. How old was I? I was, I got to 20. No, I was about 20, sorry, 26. About 25, 26 at the time. So I walked in there like I owned, like I was a multimillionaire. And I said to the salesman, can I please speak to the owner? I'm Jared Davidoff. I'd really like to speak to the owner. Who's the owner? Mr. Copans. Can you, can you please go and call him? I'd like to speak to him. So he naturally thought, I'm going to place a huge, massive order for my 50 shops around the country. So he comes down, hi, do you mind if we sit? And, and I say, listen, I know this is going to take you by surprise. you Jewish, I'm Jewish, but I'm a little bit different. I actually believe that Jesus is our Messiah. And he spoke to me to go to Jabir Park. And anyone who knows South Africa, Jabir Park, it, it, it's a little bit better now, but it was the most violent, I mean, Jabir Park, the inner city of Johannesburg, drive-by shootings, stabbings, killings, muggings, and I'm like the only white boy down there. So, you know, it was like 
quite hectic. So I'm telling this Jewish guy, and his mouth is hanging open, like, you can't believe what, I'm <laughs> what he's hearing. And I say, listen, Mr. Copans, the honest truth is I love JBL. You guys have got the best sound system. But honestly, I can't afford retail. I can't afford wholesale. But I promise you that if you give me cost, cost, I'm looking for cost. I promise you, I'll tell all my friends about you and every sound system I buy from now on will be JBL. He said, I can't believe this. I can't believe Like he was shocked. <laughs> he disappeared for half an hour. I thought I was going to be escorted out. He came down and he gave it to me at cost price. Went to Jabeir Park, started preaching the gospel, put up my two speakers, put on my Hillsong backtracks. I can't even sing. I, I was like looking at, I was singing on top of it. The Lord had mercy on everyone over there. So he's, he, people would walk through the park and they saw, oh, he's a Christian. He probably needs help. You know, I'm actually a singer. Can, can I sing instead? No, sure. You sing. By faith, I bought a, a keyboard. We put it up every, every week for like months. And one Christian guy walked past it. Oh, I can actually play keyboard. And he started playing keyboard. And we developed a team and, and things started to grow. And we started leading 80 to 120 people every Saturday to the Lord in Jabeir Park. Everyone would fill in a Connect card. I would spend my Saturday nights organizing all the Connect cards into the different home cells uh, around Johannesburg. The church had about five, 600 home groups for, for like the 20, 25,000 members. And I would sort it all out Sunday morning. I would take all the Connect cards, put it in the, we called them pigeonholes, where, where all the, the different home groups, so, oh, Anaheim Hills and oh, Fullerton over there and oh, Newport Beach over there and uh, Anaheim there. And, and, and I did that for about a year. And then the counseling department picked up on it and they said, you know what, instead of you doing all the work, just come on a Sunday morning before the first service, give us all the forms and we'll give it to the pastors. So they gave it to the pastors on the Sunday. On the Wednesday, all the home groups got those connect cards and, and by Friday people were called and followed up. And that's how my ministry started to grow and grow and grow. Then we started to do uh, a bigger outreaches in Jabeir Park. We started to do crusades. Then Pastor Ray heard about it and he wanted to meet me and we connected. And, and I became the church's evangelist. And, and then the counseling department was having a nervous breakdown. They were complaining to Pastor Ray about me. Can you believe it? They were saying... We, we can't keep up with this Jewish boy. He, we can't follow up all these people getting saved. Because we were going with 80 to 120 a week. That's like nearly four to 500 a month. And then as the church evangelist, I had a huge budget. Praise the Lord when you're in that a huge church. And I was doing big crusades around Johannesburg with 500 to 1,000 people getting saved per crusade. You can imagine how the counseling department loved me after that. So then Pastor Ray and his number two said, Jared, why don't you think of starting your own ministry? And instead of being just a blessing to us, you can be a blessing to all the churches. And that's how Save the World Foundation was birthed and launched. And I started traveling with Reinhardt and, and things just developed from there. So why I'm telling you all that is Save the World Foundation didn't start as a huge ministry leading millions of souls, we started in Jabeir Park. And some of you, maybe the Lord has called to be evangelists. Some of you is called to be a missionary. Some of you is called to be a pastor. Some of you is called to this church to pastor. 
So you can use soul winning and evangelism in this church as your training ground. I used Jabeir Park and Johannesburg as my training ground. Now you can use Anaheim Hills, Anaheim and Orange County as your training ground. And as you are faithful with the little, the Lord will promote you with much. Jesus said, it's my father's good pleasure that you, you bear much fruit. But note, but note, we're not in competition with each other. It's not a competition. Oh, how many did you lead? How many did you lead? No, it's not about that. We're colleagues. When I get emails from evangelism friends around the world, I led this amount and I led that amount, I'm like so happy. I don't see them as my competitors. We, business people, like if you're selling a, a certain computer and your competitor selling a certain computer and you hear how many he sold, you get a little bit like irritated or jealous or whatever. But in the kingdom, we, we need to rejoice together. One sows, another waters, and, and another reaps. And I believe that if we work together here, we can really make a huge impact in Orange County. And yes, maybe the, the school ministry will lead thousands and the prison ministry will be, lead hundreds. And maybe your ministry may only lead one or two a month. Praise God, that's one or two more in the kingdom than are not in the kingdom. But together, we can rejoice together. We're a team. In the business world, you get your marketing guys, you get your, your finance guys, you get your logistical guys, you get your strategy guys, the CEO, the accounting department. They all work together for a common cause, which is profit. But we're not after profit. We're after souls. So let's work together. Let's encourage each other. Let's start to build something that's going to be generational. I mean, what if Jesus doesn't come in our generation? Like all of us present here, we go to heaven and all our kids keep going and keep going. Won't it be awesome to have this amazing evangelism initiative in place won't it be amazing to have thousands and tens and thousands of people in influence church they're going to look back and say and be proud of us so it's almost like we need to work ourselves out of a job we need to set everything up so that when we go to heaven everything that we could have done on earth has been done and another thing Reinhard says, and I'll just quote him, because I've been around him so much, I, I quote Jesus and Reinhard the most. But, but, but I, I like what he says. He says, we, we may not, what does he say? He says, um, we are all God has. We may be all God has, but you know what? We are all God needs. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Amen. Thanks, Wasserful. All right. Hey, uh, great, uh, great time tonight. Thank you so much, Jared, uh, Tammy, John, Nathan, um, Carol, everybody who's kind of been a part of 
of getting us to this place. Um, you excited? Yeah, it's pretty exciting, huh? And uh, you're not doing it alone. Look around you. You know, you got about 100 people or so that are saying, yeah, we're going to give this thing a, a, a shot, and um, God bless you for being a part of this. Um, I want to um, just encourage you, as uh, we did already, uh, just l- go over your script, as we said. It's going to be good for you. It'll be helpful. If you don't have anybody around to do it, uh, you know, just put your voice memo on your phone, do it, and see how it sounds. Why not? Billy Graham learned to preach, preaching the alligators. He says, I don't know if that's true, but... Um, but anyway, um, just wanted to say one other thing here. I've kind of lost my, my train of thought. But let me just uh, let me just encourage you to to really just be serious about uh, the commitment to this class. Um, there's always going to be something that's going to come up. There's always something that looks cool, good, pressing, whatever. Just say, you know, I'm going to be committed to it. There's four sessions left. And try to be at every one of them unless you're, you're out of town. If you're sick, uh, come and sit in the corner. Don't infect anybody, all right? But uh, Nathan, come and give us a couple instructions and then uh, just kind of close us in prayer. Would you do that? Okay, so last week I went over the computer system out there. I want to remind you of that. If you want to receive credit for this class, which if you're here you probably do, then we need you to check in each week on the computer. So right now there's one computer out there. It's the one on the left, and it says check in on top. And that computer is at this time designated for if you have not yet checked in tonight and, you know, typed your name in and said, I'm here. And then yes or no, I did the homework. Uh, I did or didn't do the homework. Then we need you to do that before you leave. Otherwise, unfortunately, you won't receive credit for this class. Okay. You won't be in attendance here. Ongoing now, we also have a form so that if you do miss a class, we will uh, have a link on our page. So we're going to require you to be responsible to go to that page if you miss a class and fill out the questions that are there. That's uh, to receive credit and a makeup. Um, if you make it, miss a class, you can make it up. But again, you're going to have to be responsible for doing that by going to influencechurch.org backslash ISOM, and there'll be a link on there to make up assignments, okay? The other thing is that if you want to sign up for the class, if you came tonight but you haven't actually registered for the course, the middle computer out there says register, And you can register for the course right now. You can also register for the Bible reading methods class, which is in a couple of weeks. So I'll help you transition between those two screens. Just know that you can register for that and for the the class tonight. And then the last computer, the third one on the end, is if you are here tonight, maybe you've signed up for uh, this class, or maybe you just checked in, but you're not actually yet enrolled for School of Ministry. You can do that tonight, but you can also do that if you just go to the website. There's a link about halfway down on the school ministry page, and it says um, apply or application for school of ministry. So we are going to be sending that out in an email this week. Um, but we, we, even if you've been coming since the beginning, we're going to have everybody fill out that application so that we make sure that we have everybody in our database so we know we can track with you guys and, and follow your progress and make sure that we can support you as best as we can in school of ministry. All right. If you have questions, I'll be out there by the computer, so feel free to ask away. Let me pray, and we'll dismiss you guys. God, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for Jimmy, and we get to celebrate with him tonight. We get to we do we rejoice with you, Jesus, and with him. That salvation has come. That uh, as today is his birthday, now he also has a spiritual birthday, and so uh, that is yes, just so awesome. And so, God, we thank you and we praise you for that. And just for all of the good stuff that you've been teaching us this evening, 
Holy Spirit, we thank you for being our teacher and our instructor and for the ways that you've gifted this church and all these people who are here gathered and all the gifts that you are stirring up in them, all the passions, the visions, and the dreams that you're giving them, the people and the names that you're laying on their heart. And so God, continue to do that. Fill us with boldness this week. We don't do this alone. We do it with you. Remind us of that in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.